for the Vault Studio, this is the NFL Podcast, proudly presented by U.S. Sports Gear. Here are your hosts, James Arthur, Chris Bryan, and Richard Garraway. Hello and welcome to the Vault Studio NFL Podcast. I'm your host for today, and as always for our preview show, I'm joined by Chipper. How are you, Chipper? I'm great, James. How are you? Oh, look, I can't complain. Uh... We may as well get straight into the game yesterday because what a disappointing <laughs> game for the Buccaneers. Uh, do you think they're facing some sort of karma for drafting a kicker in the second round? Now, whatever kicker they, they use will be terrible. Oh, I think so. Um, I mean, Nick Volk was really, really good at the Jets. Um, when he was at the Jets the last two years, he was actually kicking game-winning field goals. I honestly have not seen Nick Volk play or kick that bad. Um, it might be karma. It's all in their head. Um, so I remember he, when was it? Was it right at the last um, when Jameis Winston sort of ran it down? He had two flags to um, roughing the passer players. I'm like, all right, here we go. But it was still a 58-yarder, so it was really on Falk's range, and he missed it. And then I thought, all right, that shouldn't affect him too much. And then he had that 45-yarder or something like that and missed that. And then the chip, and I'm thinking, oh, no, he knew he was cut, and... Yeah, it just it's just that's just how football works with kickers, I guess. Yeah, one you know, you got um the New England kickers that can uh, win your Super Bowls and can be the heroes, and then you got um you got this and you got young Hoku as well, as we saw earlier this year. Just, well, well he just actually happens. got he got cut yesterday, young Hoku. So he did. the Chargers moved on to a new kicker. <clears throat> Look, I, the sad part is the fifty six yarder, I'll I'll let that slide, you know, that's a hard kick. But he did get the distance, and I've heard kickers say that if you get the distance, the accuracy should always be there. So, you know, he'll be disappointed with that. But then missing no. the two chip shots, really, if he hits both of them, they win this game. There, there's no simpler way to put it. No, I agree. Um, I don't know what, what happened to him. Um, like I said, that's just football. We know you hate kickers. We know that um, kickers and, and umpires really affect games you don't like it when that happens when they determine the outcome of a game if he got at least two of those that would have one by one um but let's not put all of the blame onto the kicker let's 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 have a look at well, i just had a look at james winston in in a lot of detail yesterday and he was missing some easy throws he really um did not capitalize on some really um effective field position by the defense off a couple of turnovers and look, he did put pressure on the kicker. He was supposed to kick it. But what do you think? I think the Bucks' offense just did not look right against defense that's been really suspect this year. Well, they're going against the defense that at that point is the worst defense in the NFL. And I don't know if it's the offense, like the system, or if it's Jameis Winston. I just can't work it out. He forces the ball to Deshaun Jackson. Now, Deshaun Jackson had a couple of good plays on, on in this game for the first time, but he forces the ball, he misses a lot of throws. Um, they finally got Doug Martin back, and he was able to really establish the running game for them. But I feel like when, in clutch moments, Winston just doesn't get the job done, and it, it's been a real trait. And going into his third year, you should be starting to see these things, and I don't think he's ever going to get to that elite status unless he can develop that sort of trait. And, you know, I just... I'm just not sure. I, I just, I'm not sure about him, and I don't think the Buccaneers' quarterback solution is solved. And I think he needs to really show something this year, or they're going to start to look around. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think I, I asked you the question last week when I quickly said, "Look, Mariota or Winston?" Because we always talk about Goff and Wentz, 
the two, the one and two that were drafted a couple of years back. But I look at these two in detail every single week and I, I go, yep, okay, so Mariota's in front of a very, very good offensive line. That helps him a lot. Winston's offensive line is is not great, um, but still they're both scrambling quarterbacks, but Mariota can make it can make that throw. Winston, I think, still struggles to make that that deep ball. And he missed a couple of um, small hit ups to to Sims, I think, the running back. Yeah, just he just misses them simple, easy gains that moves the chains, that gets him into a, a better position to to execute a first down, and he just did not do that. And especially against this New England defense that has been struggling, like you said, ranked dead last. You know, um, I just don't know where to rate him right now as a quarterback. Yeah, and and you've got the fact that his defense played really well. Like the Bucks' defense missing Quan Alexander and Levante David, I thought they did a really good job yesterday against a, a really good Patriots offense. But he couldn't take advantage of that. He puts himself in long third down situations all the time by missing key throws and check downs and stuff like that and making wrong decisions. And that leads to something like a 4 of 13 third down efficiency, which is not good enough, especially when you're going up against the worst defense in the NFL. Yeah, agreed. Um, that defense was, was very, very good by the Falcons. Um, I can think of the first drive when Tom Brady tried to play no huddle and really tried to get Tampa Bay off their toes. And then he missed that, that throw to Hogan and got the interception. I thought, here we go. Winston capitalized. This would be brilliant um, to get to be um, to score a touchdown or to get you know some points on the board and really put New England on the back foot. And he, he's, he always let New England back in the game, I felt. And uh, they just really, the defensive line for Tampa Bay really penetrated the offensive line for the Patriots and really put Tom Brady on his toes. He got uh, sacked a few times. He had that forced fumble. And, yeah, like you said, if you've got weapons like Mike Mike Evans, Sean Jackson, and even Cameron Bray, you need to do better. Yeah, I agree. 100% agree. Well, look, the, the Tampa Bay Bucks were pretty disappointed, but it was, you know, the Patriots getting back on track. But we'll head into our... Uh, our previews of games, sorry, not reviews. Uh, we'll start with our don't bother section, the, the C class, and we've got Buffalo going into Cincinnati. Um, another defensive battle here, and if NFL fans who love a low-scoring battle, this is the one for you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Buffalo have been very, very impressive this season, and it is on the back of a good defense, but I think their offense has been pretty conservative as well. Um, Tyrod Taylor's played pretty well. He's got a 60.6 QBR, which is ranked ninth, and he's ninth for QB DVOA, which out of 33 quarterbacks is pretty good. Um, you know, he, he's not a big-time quarterback. He's not going to be one that's going to be shining in the highlight reels. He's just keeping that offense honest and he's restricting turnovers um but yeah it's it's going to be a real defensive battle uh buffalo now topped rank top ranked in overall defensive dboa third in the pass ninth in the rush massive um, surprise massive surprise for that passing defense oh it is and it's um it's all due to these rookies like tradavius white um he looks to be elite he had another defensive touchdown last week an 88.7 pff grade so far um, and they've allowed, and they've had seven total takeaways, which is very, very, very efficient. And um, the other safety, Jordan Poyer, is having another breakout season with a PFF grade of eighty-six point one. So they're efficient across the board. The defensive line is very, very good. Um, but if you want to watch a very good wide receiver against a very good cornerback, watch AJ Green versus EJ Gaines this which, week. It's going to be a huge. Matchup. Which EJ Gaines is the guy they got from 
the LA Rams, yes, with the Sammy Watkins trade. That's yeah, that's right. They got him for Sammy Watkins, and I think it's been a win-win for both the Rams and the Bills. Yeah, and Jordan Poyer they got from the Jets. Yeah, um, so they've they've made some great moves that when everyone think, oh, you know, they're 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 blowing it up and rebuilding this year. The moves they've made now, now whether they knew that or not, the moves they've made with Poyer and EJ Gaines have improved their team. And losing Sammy Watkins hasn't hurt them because, let's be honest, he's barely played for them the last few years. Yeah, very, very subtle movements, but very, very effective movements. Um, everyone thought, oh, Buffalo just on the rebuild. I've been the one sneakily on the back going, look, they're pretty good moves. Sammy Watkins, we all know, when he's healthy, he's a star. And he's showing that with Goff and the Rams. He and can go missing, though. He can go missing. And if you have an right. inconsistent passing game, that doesn't help. Where at LA, they're a lot more consistent. So the days where he goes missing, they can find other options. Whereas at the Bills, he was their only option. That's right. And Robert Woods as well. He's another one that went to the Rams. And he's been productive, but also, like you said, inconsistent. And I really like that they have Jordan Matthews now. He's a good slot receiver. He got injured. Um, I don't think he's playing this week, but he's been efficient as a slot receiver and he's building a good chemistry with Tyro Taylor. Um, that being said, we might as well, we, we'll quickly talk about Cincinnati. Look, they're ninth ranked in defense, like I said, um, but I really just can't see Andy Dalton continuing his form that he had against Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland's defense is completely different to Buffalo's defense, let's be honest. And because of that, James, I've got the Bills by 10. And my fantasy tip is another sneaky one. I've got Charles Clay, the tight end. He's been efficient. He's been very consistent. No one talks about him. No, he's been really good. You know, the, the ex-Dolphin who's taken a couple of years to get used to that system. But I couldn't agree more. I think the Bills are going to win this game pretty comfortably. I, I actually think the Bills are, are a very good team. I'm interested to see how the rest of their season the goes. Vault Studio, this is the Sorry, I just accidentally played our um our, 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 our intro again. Sorry, everyone, for that. Yeah, I think the Bills are going to be um be quite good this year. We'll get into our next game. We've got the New York Jets at Cleveland. This game is a stinker, unless for you, Chipper, because I know you're a big Jets fan. How do you see this one going? Oh, I, I can see us possibly going a three and two, um, honestly. But this is the kind of game the Jets would probably... You know, crumble under. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unless you're a big fantasy lover, don't bother watching this or a Jets fan or a Browns fan. That being said, the Jets' uh, defense, especially in their pass, has been okay this year. They're 14th in DVOA and they've allowed the seventh least passing yards per game, which has been pretty impressive. Um, so that will force Cleveland to rely on the running game, which is which looks to be a hole for the New York Jets. So it's another chance for Isaiah Crowell to really have a a breakout game in 2017. Um, that being said, on the other side, New York's running game last week looked very, very good without Matt Forte. He's ruled out again. So it's up to Bilal Powell and rookie Elijah McGuire. Uh, Bilal Powell had 21 attempts, 163 yards, and, and that TD where everyone thought he, he went down on contact, went straight back up and ran away for a touchdown, which was pretty which was pretty funny. I, I actually and, loved that because everyone stopped except for him. And... In the, in the days where you can review everything, why not run it? Because refs are going to let you run it through and then they'll check it after. And I think that's great. Yeah, yeah. it's just instinct. It's just being smart. It's that footy IQ that that let him that made him go, all right, well, if I haven't heard a whistle, I'm just going to get a run and, and score a touchdown. And Elijah Maguire, he had that breakout run as well. He had 10 attempts for 93 yards in that TD. That being said, Cleveland allow only 87.3 yards per game on the ground. So 
Cleveland could stop him. And I and I think I got a notification today that Miles Jarrett will be starting, will be playing his first game for the Browns, and I'm really excited to see him. Massive actually. news, massive news. I, I he tore up the preseason. He looked like an absolute freak show in the preseason. He was comfortable against starters. I thought he looked great. So I'm really, really interested. Actually, that game makes this that that him playing makes this game interesting to me because I will I will watch it just to see how he goes. Oh, agreed. Um, and I'd like to. I really want to see him having a productive 2017, so I can compare him to Jadavian Clowney because that's who I think he plays like, and they're both number one picks. Um, and it'll be very interesting to see. They could be the next generation of edge rushers. That being said, um. They simply have no weapons at wide receiver, the Cleveland Browns. Let's be honest. They've got Ricardo Luis. They've got Kenny Britt. Um, they've got Rashad Higgins. The only wide receiver that's ranked top 50 in, in PFF right now is Corey Coleman, who's injured. So I just don't know who Kaiser throws it to. Their offensive line um, is the only reason why he's not getting sacked 12 times a game. And that being said, um, I know I'm a Jets fan. I know I'm trying not to be biased, but I just see everything going the Jets' way here, even though it is at Cleveland. But I wouldn't be surprised because it is the NFL. But I do have the Jets by 10. And my fantasy tip is uh, Jermaine Curse, who's up against a really banged-up pass defense from Cleveland. He could have a big game. Um, we'll, we'll get out of that game. We'll, we'll move to the next one. Um, it's another sort of stinker-slash-fantasy-lover game. San Francisco at Indianapolis, James. Yeah, this game... Oh, look, I thought Bryce Set was really good last week, and I think we're both fans of him. He's pro football focus grade of 74.7, which is, is pretty good, um, and he's going against a 49ers defense that allows 240 yards in the air, um, so it could be a big chance for him to get it done. They were... Really disappointing last week after a great first half against Seattle to be blown out the way they did in the second half. That shows me poor coaching. Just off our rundown a little bit, do you think Pagano's gone in the next couple of weeks if this continues? Uh, he's got to be. Um, he's he's uh, had many adversities in his role. He had cancer and then um, Bruce Arians took over. I think it was three years ago. They took up the Arizona job, but... You can't make excuses anymore. You haven't been, you haven't improved your, your defense. You haven't improved your offensive line. It's just made bad moves. I think he, if he keeps it going, yes, that's my short answer, James. He could be gone. And you know, it, it was horrible what he went through when he was at the Colts, but when he was when Arians at the Colts. But I reckon if the Colts could go back now with some hindsight, they would have probably moved Pagano on and kept Arians. Yeah, they could have, um, but hindsight's a wonderful thing. <laughs> yeah, it is. Look, uh, we'll look at DeForest, Bunk, DeForest Buckner, who was a steal for the 49ers in the draft last year. And, you know, he is a 93.2 PFF grade right now, which is the most of all defensive linemen. He has been absolutely outstanding. Um, put in Solomon Thomas, who's been really good as a rookie. And what I like about him is he improves every single week, and that's what you want to see. And then I think Eric Armstead's been quite good. Bowman's a really good player. I just think when they get Reuben Foster back as well in the next couple of weeks, this defense is going to be fine. I think next year they're going to be a very, very good defense. In saying that, I think they're going to take care of the Colts comfortably. I know you've got the Colts by 13 here, and I'll get you to let us know why you think that. But I think the 49ers are due for a win. I know they're 0-4. I know it's in Indianapolis. But crap teams 
find ways to lose games. And I think the Colts are just a crap team without Andrew Luck. And as much as Brissett might be able to get some yards on them, I don't think the Colts' defense is very good. And, you know, other than Malik Hooker, who's been really, really good, um, and Matthias Farley, who's been pretty good as well, I just don't see anything that can stop them. So I'm, I'm going to take in a close game, San Fran by three. I know you've got the Colts by 13. Why do you think that? Look, it all just comes down to the quarterbacks. I mean, last week, let's let's face it, the 49ers really impressed me, and they probably impressed a lot of people just um, pushing Arizona to overtime and losing, obviously, at the end by that by that touchdown. Um, their defense, like you said, looked really, really good. But Jacoby Brissett, there's just something about him. When I compare him to Brian Hoyer, Brian Hoyer, yes, he has Pierre Garçon, which helped him a lot in that LA Rams Thursday night football game. But Brissett, to me, he's got Moncrief, He's got um, who's the other? He's got T. Y. Hilton, and he's got Jack Doyle at tight end. He's got some nice weapons, and he's also a scrambling quarterback. And his throws are not too bad. He he can he can hit a target, and um, you overhear uh, Brian Taylor on AFL commentary on Channel Seven talk about the Colder Cannons Football Factory, blah blah blah, the Geelong Falcons Football Factory. Well, Jacoby Brissett comes from the New England Patriots quarterback factory. He was under Bill Belichick. He was with, uh, and so was Brian Hoyer. But Brissett to me. Has a, has a bit more talent. And to me, I just feel like they've got um, a low... They're, they're up against a pass defense that's actually struggling. Um, they could get up and firing. They're at Lucas Oil Stadium, which helps as well. That's why I've got Colts by 13. I think Jacoby Brissett will score maybe two pass and one rush touchdown. Um, they'll figure out that their linebackers will be blitzing them a lot. They'll go for the shorter options. And another big one as well, that the 49ers have trouble closing down the number two and number three wide receivers. So they do really well against the top one, which will probably be T.Y. Hilton. But against number two and number three, they give up a lot of yards. And that's why I'm probably going to lean towards the Colts. Yeah, fair enough. Well, we'll, uh, we'll get into our next game now. We can call this the Who Cares game of the week. It's the LA Chargers at the New York Giants. They are both 0-4. I think the, the real... Only shining light in this game is Philip Rivers, who is the eighth-ranked quarterback by DVOA. He's had just over a thousand yards, six touchdowns, four interceptions. Keep in mind, three of those interceptions were in the one game. So it's rare that a guy that good is on an zero and four team. It is. Um, he's a, you know, we every time I think of the LA Chargers offense over the past five, seven years, I just think of um, shotgun, you know, gunslinging defense, pass-heavy West Coast. And usually win games because of it. I just, I don't know why they're on four. Okay, well, they should be two and two because of the kicker, because yes. of Young Hoku. But he's oh, cut well, out. the first one was blocked. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm not going to blame him for that because he made the kick before he was iced, and then it was blocked after that. And you know, it's amazing. That's not his fault. And it would be very interesting if that wasn't blocked and he kicked it. Um, yeah. it would be very interesting to see how the rest of his season had gone because going into the second game with confidence. He might have kicked that, and then they're two and two, and then who knows from there? Yeah, yeah. Um, like you said, it's just all about mind games. This game, and yep. that started him off um, on the wrong foot, on a very um, shaky foot. And now they're zero and four. They they've been very close, whereas the Giants zero and four have not been really close. I mean, they they did lose the last two games by a field goal. Um, funnily enough, how how good's the irony there? We're talking about missed kickers, and then the Giants are up against probably. 
better kickers, you know, Elliot kicks a 61-yarder, and then um, and then the irony of um, Nick Fole kicking the winner last week. Um, but the Giants just have had a bad run. But you can't win games without a good running game, and they have nothing. And I think Paul Perkins has been listed as out this week mm. with a rib injury. Oh, that's that's a good sign. That's a very good sign. So I think Wayne Goldman looks to have um, the keys to the to the running back committee now. He might start because he looked okay last week, um, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be a game as well of a poor running game versus a poor run defense. So the Chargers allow 163 and a half yards per game. They're 29th in adjusted line yards from a defensive line, but the Giants are ranked 31st in rush offense DVOA and dead last in rushing yards per game. So I think it might be Eli Manning versus Philip Rivers, two veterans going at it. Um, and it's at, uh, I think it's at the Giants as well. It's at um, New Jersey. Um, and another question would be Rivers and his wide receivers can push the Giants defense because we all know the Giants defense has actually been pretty productive. They've, um, the Giants have allowed only 216 and a half yards per game. It is 14th least, but they have a pass defense DVOA ranked 25th. And that also says that as well as effective as they are and as, as good as they are and how impressive they are, they actually do concede yards at crucial points. I'm talking third downs, red zones. So can Rivers get into get them into them situations and exploit them? Who knows? Um, Keenan Allen, Tyrell, Tyrell Williams, I love the Chargers. And because of a better wide receiver core and the fact that they don't have um, Odell Beckham, um, who I just think should be traded right now. Just get rid of him. Get a top five pick. Is Odell Beckham uh, not playing? No, no, no. He he's playing. I I'm just sick of, oh, he's of an idiot. seeing him and the, hearing about him. The the, 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 the carry on about him not football related is just insane. And the Giants have allowed this to happen. And they can sit there and go, oh, you know, he's all right. He's the best wide. He's an absolute freak show of a wide receiver but you cannot have one guy in a locker room that makes it all about him. And when he answers interview questions correctly, it's all an act. He just wants, you can tell, he just wants to say, Eli Manning sucks, the O-line sucks. You can see it in his face. He is just a real idiot and he's carrying on. And either way, the Giants are still going to pay him. They're probably going to make him the most highest paid player in NFL history because that's the kind of decisions they make. Uh, I, I think it's insane. Yeah, I'm, I'm sick of seeing him. The other guy I need to see something from is Joey Bosa. After an outstanding rookie year, he has a pro football focus grade of 66.8, which is not very good. He needs to improve and he needs to show something because Ingram right now is carrying all the load. Oh, agreed. Ingram is carrying a big load. And it is a big chance for them because they're up against a very poor offensive line. So Joey Bosa, is he having second-year blues? Who knows? Is he having a, a rookie year hangover? But um, he did look good in the first week, and then he sort of trailed off. But really do want to see him um, really penetrate that offensive line. Um, and Eli Manning, he actually had a good game last week. He did all he could. But I don't know, Joe. Do you think it's time for, uh, I think, McAdoo, I think the coaches, to just go, you know what, we're 0 for only like 0.01% of teams 0-4 have made the playoffs. Can we just start on the rebuild? Can we find someone else? Yeah, well, I see you've got Kaepernick's name brought up. I would not be against that. I, I don't know. Eli Manning's PFF grade's okay, but if you watch him play, he's just not playing that well. 
And, and sometimes PFF, like I love PFF and I like going off it, but they're very technical based. When you watch him play, yeah, he might do the right thing and hit a check down and all that sort of stuff. But if you hit a check down every single play, that's not good quarterback play. It'll make you look okay, but it's not good. So that offense needs something. I don't know. I, I don't think Ben McAdoo is that good a coach, to be perfectly honest. And if they have a terrible year this year, he could be in real trouble. Because remember, he was there before um, Coughlin left. So it's not like it's he's only in like his second year at the Giants organization. They might move on from him. So be very interesting. Um, we'll move on to our, to our next section. We've got the Don't Mind games. And we'll start with Tennessee at Miami. And the big question in this game is if Mariota's going to play. He's considered day-to-day. But, you know, I don't think a hamstring injury for a quarterback like him is good. And if he doesn't play, Matt Cassell is set to start. But I just, I do not want to see that. No, um, there has been confirmation on um, the Bleacher Report this morning that he's officially questionable and it will officially be a game-time decision, which um, is... Look, I don't think it's good news. I've got him in a, in a couple of my fantasy teams. So I'm just going to bench him. Um, I know it's against Miami, but I'm not going to take the risk. Um, but uh, this is a perfect opportunity. Look, I know we. I know I mentioned Kaepernick in the last game, but why? What's the harm in signing him at Tennessee? Here, he's got a. He, he, the scheme fits just is just too perfect for Kaepernick. Yeah. I- I, I just don't think anyone's going to take that chance with Kaepernick. And it's a real shame, but I just don't see it happening. With all the, the backlash that's been happening with, um, you know, with with this kneeling for the anthem and that sort of stuff, I just don't think anyone's going to, going to sign him, um, which is a shame because he would be perfect as a backup there. The other thing is, do, does he want to go there? Does he want to go to Tennessee and play where he knows he's the backup? I, I, Kaepernick strikes me as the kind of guy that wants to go and start somewhere. He he also um, has been reported that he did reject offers when he was cut from the 49ers. I think you mentioned it on on Monday, uh, sorry on Tuesday, that he could have, you know, kept playing with the 49ers and opted out, but he decided to to just get you know to cut himself. So that lost a lot of leverage, and a lot uh, I've heard that that's the reason why a lot have been turned off by him. It wasn't really the whole kneeling thing, blah blah blah. I mean, Maybe you know, maybe for some um, conservative owners, that might be the reason. But um, I think the other reason why is because he's been offered, and he said no thanks. And that you know, like you said, that spreads like wildfire with all the owners. Anyway, I'll move on from him. Let's talk about the game. Um, Miami. Um, this is a funny stat in the two Major League Baseball World Card games that happened this week. So it was. <laughs> The Yankees and the Indians and the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Colorado Rockies, they combined for 31 runs in two days. Miami's total offense in 2017 has scored 23 points. So <laughs> two wildcard baseball games have outscored the Miami Dolphins slash Jay Cutler this week, uh, this year, which I don't, know. I don't know how you can put that on them, but it's just a sad state of affairs. I actually, I think my, my prediction of Miami Dolphins has been ruined this week, uh, this year. I thought they would actually be in contention for wildcard, just looking at their list. It's a nice all-rounded list. And Jay Cutler, maybe if he just if he just stays conservative and limits the turnovers, they could be a chance. He just doesn't look it. And neither does Jay Ajayi. Um, he looks uninterested. He's 20, yeah, he's he's ranked 28th out of 37 running backs in running back DVOA. He's had 
four a 3.84 yards per attempt so far, zero touchdowns, 196 yards, and a lot of frustrated fantasy owners. Is he just? Is he another one that sort of had a breakout year and then we've never seen again? Um, I, I'm not sure, but it just doesn't look good. Um, so on that, I think the two running games will cancel each other out because the running defenses for both teams are actually pretty good. So I think it could go down to who's going to be the better quarterback, Matt Castle or Jay Cutler. It's it doesn't look. Um, it's a depressing, like a depressing thought that the battle is going to be between Cutler and, and Cassell. Yeah, um, look, I had this in Don't Mind B because there's a lot on the line for Tennessee, but you could also push it back to the previous category C. Um, we'll go to Tennessee's pass defense just quickly. They're 29th in pass defense DVOA and have allowed 274.3 yards per game, which is pretty worrying. Both starting cornerbacks have an average PFF grade of 50.5, including rookie Adoree Jackson. And they're 31st against the second wide receiver. So this could be a big game for Devontae Parker, who I've got here as my fantasy tip for this game. Um, and it, it could very well be a shootout. And Tennessee's wide receivers, they could be um, made redundant and cancelled out due to Matt Cassell. Uh, but that being said, I don't know. Miami find a way... To disappoint me, I I looked at this tip and I went, all right, Dolphins by seven, move on. But then I went, oh, it is the NFL, Tennessee, I don't know, Tennessee by three. Because Matt Cassell has been known as a conservative quarterback that tries to limit his turnovers. He keeps it, he keeps it safe, does some play-action passes, maybe a couple of screens out wide to, to Derrick Henry. You never know. And that's why I've gone Titans by three. But what about you, James? This is seriously a 50-50 for me. Look, I just think the Titans off a couple of rough weeks, they're going to they're gonna come in and win this game. I, It's just, I didn't have Miami making the playoffs. I just don't think they're that good. And I think we, we've underselled the fact that Tannehill's injured. Like, Tannehill's a top 10 drafted quarterback. He's shown in the past that he can be very productive in that offense. I think it's a big loss not having him. And I think... Just because they've got Jay Cutler, that doesn't make it any any better or any easier to take. He is their quarterback. So I think it's a bit unfair to judge, to not judge them on that fact. Uh, in saying that, though, I, I just think the Titans are too good. I think their running game, they're going to get their big, main offensive line, and they're going to overpower Miami. And I think they'll win this game. I think they'll, they'll win it by about 10. I think they'll win it fairly comfortably. They'll control the game. But, uh, yeah, I love Devontae Parker for your, for your pick because the Titans' pass defense has been, been really poor. Uh, we'll go to our next game. We've got the Arizona Cardinals at the Philadelphia Eagles. Couple of you know hard teams to analyze, and I'm not. I'm a bit more sure that the Arizona Cardinals aren't very good, but Philadelphia, I cannot work them out. They look. They've won games, but they just don't look that good. Um, you know, the Cardinals only just beat the 49ers last week thanks to Larry Fitzgerald, which was a fantastic play. Um, Philly's rushing attack looks really good. It was great to see. Blunt get his get his get his plays last week. He looked absolutely outstanding, and their offensive line have been really really improved. I think their tackles are two of the best in the league. I love Lane Johnson. He's just a really good tackle, and mm-hmm. and Jason Peters, who's been around for years, just is turning back the clock. He looks outstanding, and you know you mix that with the second rack center in the NFL and Jason Kelsey. When your middle's secured and your two tackles are secured, it, it makes it very easy to do some things. Uh, what's your thoughts on, on Carson Wentz's season so far? 
Oh, look, I just think he's keeping on. Um, everyone's talking about how unimpressive he is. Um, I, I don't think he was drafted to be um, a 400 yards game, per game, three-touchdown kind of guy. I just think he's just going to be that Alex Smith-type player that just keeps on keeping on. He's got a QBR of 62.9, which is ranked seventh, and he's had six touchdowns, 978 yards, and two interceptions, and a 77.7 PFF grade. So it's just it's just okay. He hasn't really used Alshon Jeffrey that much this season. He's used Nelson Aguilar on a couple of occasions. I still think he's trying to build chemistry with his wide receivers because Nelson Aguilar obviously had a really poor 2016. He kept dropping passes, so he's still trying to build it with him. Alshon Jeffrey obviously came from the Bears, um, but I think his main man is Zach Ertz. And Arizona are 22nd against tight ends this season in past DVOA. So that could be his man. That could be his man to just use the old slant or the cut-in routes and get up to the the second level and just, you know, bullet that in the middle and just keep the chains moving. I just think Wentz and Zach Ertz have a pretty good chemistry already. And their rush attack looks pretty good as well behind that offensive line, like you said. I love LeGarrette Blount last week. I think we talked about Philly. Well, I think we based Philly's results on their uh, blunt being out, but he he played. He had four. He's so far had five point nine two attempts per carry this season, which is absolutely phenomenal, and he's the fifth fifth overall running back in regards to DVOA. So he's been really really good. And then you look at Arizona's offense. Just what without David Johnson, that I just don't know what. They are. I think they've lost their offensive identity, James. Yeah, they they're not playing very well. And and David Johnson, obviously, he's a big part. He were, could have arguably been the NFL MVP last year. He was absolute superb, one of the best running back seasons ever. Him missing a massive a massive deal. But their offensive line is not very good. And again, in the off season, they're one of those teams that didn't really try to improve it that hard. Like they've got. Backups playing at the moment due to injuries, which also doesn't help. But, you know, they're relying on Humphreys, who was their left tackle, who's been injured the last few weeks, to be their left tackle again. And he was terrible last year. And I don't know about you, George, but the definition of insanity me is doing the same thing and getting the same result over and over again. And that's what, you know, you look at teams like Arizona, Seattle. If you don't improve that offensive line, it does not matter how good your guys are around you. You just do not have the chance to, to show it. Um I think that's the biggest reason they've been so bad on offense. I think Bruce Arians is a terrific coach and has been you know, one of the best coaches for a long time. But if you don't have the guys to be able to run it, and last year they had David Johnson that could make up for a poor offensive line, and they don't have him now. And I just don't see how it's going to improve until they can improve that offensive line with an old quarterback that can't move. Pressure's going to kill him. It's just It's a really bad recipe. No, agreed. Agreed. And um, you just take a look at their, their offensive line. Uh, they've been struggling 24th in adjusted line yards. They've allowed 17 sacks as well. But they're, I don't know, they just, they also struggle to punch it in at the red zone as well, which is a major cause for concern. And Carson Palmer, I think we mentioned, I think in the week two preview or week three, that maybe he's reached his cliff. I think he has. If it wasn't for Larry Fitzgerald, um, he'd be. I think he'd be out the door. I mean, Jaron Brown's been pretty good at wide receiver for them. He's been pretty productive as the second wide receiver. Yep. But um, Carson Palmer just doesn't look it at the moment. He's purely a pocket passer. And um, I just, I think he's just, 
just um, I think by the time it's just gotten gotten to him. Um, that being said, uh, I, I've got Philly. Who do you have? Yeah, I've I got Philly. I got Philly by about ten. I just do not think they are a good enough team. To be perfectly honest, I just I just don't think Arizona are that good. And going into Philadelphia, their defensive line's really strong against a, a crummy offensive line. I just think yeah, Philly are going to win it quite comfortably. Agreed. Um, look, we'll we'll go. Oh, sorry, my fantasy tip of this game as well, Zach Ertz, who I mentioned earlier. Um, we'll go to that. We'll go from that game, and we'll go to a, a pretty intriguing contest. The contest that I'm actually looking forward to seeing: um, the Jekyll and Hyde Jacksonville against um, Pittsburgh, who's really improved their defense this year. Yeah, they're a very good defense, and I think it all comes down to there's a few reasons. I think their cornerback play is really good. I think Jalen Rams is out, outstanding, and I think AJ Boye, who they took from the Texans, who was you know kind of being touted as a one year wonder, he's looked fantastic for them. He's been really, really good. Um, you then make you then mix that with the signing of Calais Campbell. Um, Fowler started to get himself going. Ngokwe, who they took in the second round last year, has just, after a great rookie year, just looks like he's going to be a premier edge rusher. So you take those four guys that can get pressure. When you can rush four and cover with the rest, it's always going to make you a good defense. Um, I think Miles Jack's outstanding. Just quietly, that fumble he picked up last week off the bounce, off the half volley, and then ran past everyone. I had so I had Jalen Ramsey and Miles Jack in my mock draft last year. I had them both going in the top five picks, and it they, they were really good. It They're really good. Guts me that they got both of them in that draft. I just oh. I cannot work it out. You know, it's just insane. Now I know Jack had his injury concerns, but he didn't have any injuries going in. They were worried about the future injuries coming up. I just think it's insane, and Jacksonville was so lucky. Um, but I think the big issue the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to have, and they're going to continue to have it, is even though they've bought in, bought in Fournette at running back, Blake Bortles is just a really bad quarterback. His QBR is 43.8, 54.5 completion. He misses tons of easy throws. And at the end of the day, when you if you take that game in London out against Baltimore, his numbers are disgusting, and they are easily the worst in the league. So I don't know... If you know, people can say, oh, you know, but you can't take that out because he had such a good game. I said, but what if that's his only good game he has for the year? Right? You know, something's, something's got to give there. And I can't see them competing or being a playoff contending team until they sort out that quarterback position. Yeah, agreed. Um, look, at the start, I, I had Blake Bortles as possibly the player to improve the most behind the signing of and the draft. Pick of Leonard Vanetti. I think he's going to hit. I thought he was going to put a lot of pressure off him and give him a lot of ease and a bit more comfortability in the pocket because uh, he's he knows he's got a great running game behind him. Um, and it looked like that in Week One against Houston. It also looked like that in London against Baltimore. But it's sort of like a one step forward, two step backward situation with him. He can, you know, he can really raise the hopes of Jacksonville and the, and the and fantasy lovers and fantasy owners of Blake Bortles and pretty much everyone in the NFL community. But then he produces smut like that and misses some really easy targets. Like he, he misses targets not just by, you know, two yards or one. He misses them by about five to ten. Sometimes that even bounce to the wide receiver in their lap. That's how short he throws him or he just overthrows him out. And 
there are sometimes there 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 were times when I was watching the Jets Jaguars game where um, Alan Hearns and Marquise Lee kind of just like look back at Bortles, turn around, just sort of give a little head shake. They're just like, what, what do you want? What else do you want me to do? Um, that being said, um, their offensive line has actually held up okay this season. If it wasn't for them, I think Blake Bortles would be just as inconsistent, almost as, like a lot worse. They're, they're six for adjusted line yards and they've only allowed three sacks, which is the least in the NFL. And... They have combined for a combined. Oh, they have combined for seven penalties, four of them holding. But I still think they've got a good foundation, um, which could possibly pave the way for another quarterback to come in, like you said. Um, and if it happens, Jalen Ramsey and Antonio Brown, that would be a great matchup. Yeah, a, a couple of junkyard dogs. I like to say they are just aggressive, competitive guys. I would love to see that matchup. I think it would be really tough for, Ant- for um, Jalen Ramsey to stop him but because I don't think Antonio Brown is able to be stopped. But I think if you could slow him down, that would be as much as a win for the Jaguars' defense. Uh, in saying that, who's, who's your tip? Okay, my tip, uh, because it's at Heinz Field, I've got the Steelers by nine. And my fantasy tip is who else but Le'Veon Bell. They're taken against a pretty poor run defense. That's last in DVOA. I never allowed the second most rush yards per game this week, uh, this year, sorry. And you're up against Le'Veon Bell, and we know what Le'Veon Bell can do. He broke out last week. Watch out. He's going to have a big one. <laughs> yeah, um, I think he's so, going to be outstanding. I, I, and I couldn't agree more. I think the Steelers are going to win by at least nine. It could, it could be more. I just don't think the Jaguars are that good. Agreed, agreed. I mean, if Jacksonville can stop the pass rush and force the run and cl- and stuff the uh, and stuff the line of scrimmage, then maybe, but apart from that, probably, um, probably Pittsburgh. Um, and then we'll go to another game. Who I did have in my category B another that I was lingering on C, but it would be it would be a fun game to watch. Baltimore at Oakland against a Derek Carless Oakland by the looks of it, James. Yeah, you've got. Uh, you know, a, a dream matchup for quarterback lovers play with EJ Manuel going up against Joe Flacco. Uh, <laughs> can't wait to watch those wow. two <laughs> to duel it out. Uh, look, both those guys, you can put all the stats in the world up. EJ Manuel was one of the worst first-round picks in NFL history. The Bills reached for him, and, and Joe Flacco has been one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. He's got the 30th-ranked QBR, six interceptions, you know, 55.5 PFF grade, which is terrible. I just think he's been been really, really bad. And then you mix that in with, you know, the wide receiver core of Oakland who have struggled. Like, since Crabtree had that three-touchdown game, he's been terrible. And Amari Cooper, who's leading the league in drops, has been really, really bad. He's only got a 37.2 PFF grade, and that's 108th in the league, which is well down from where he was last year. I just, I don't know, th- this game's going to be a really tough one to watch, but... I think the interesting part about it is that both these teams need this win to keep in track with their divisions. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Baltimore's slipping. Um, Oakland, that that AFC West is as competitive as you'll see with, um, obviously, Kansas City and um, uh, Denver and the LA Chargers, even though the LA Chargers are on board. It's still a pretty competitive competitive division. Uh, and I had a, a lot had Oakland to reach the NFC Championships, uh, so the AFC Championship. So if they lose here, they could really be on the back foot. Um, but I think uh, it, it it's sort of a line of is it going to be who's going to be the 
better worst team, in my opinion. I mean, Oakland's pass defense looks very average. Baltimore have a very, very good defense, but their offense just hasn't provided anything. And where's Amari Cooper? Um, 79th of 81 of 81 total wide receivers recorded this year in DBOA. And he's had only 110 yards in his first four games. I just want your insight, James. Like, as an NFL lover, as a guy that watches the game, studies the game, why do you think Amari's having such a poor first four weeks? Well, there's... There's a development of wide receivers. It's a very difficult position. You come into the league as a rookie and normally you get weaker coverage. You're not really that dominant yet. And then you show something. And Amari Cooper did that last last year and the year before. He showed something and looked like he was going to become an elite receiver. So what defenses then do is they roll coverage to you. They make sure... You know, you look at Des Bryant this year who's really struggling with the same stuff. They double cover you, they put guys underneath and over the top, and they make it really difficult. And what you have to do then, is, is if you're Amari Cooper, is fight through that. Now, what kills receivers in that situation? You can't drop the ball because all of a sudden, instead of getting 10 targets, you're only getting five because the quarterback won't risk it. Uh, I think that's the real issue he's got at the moment. He needs to learn to fight through coverage. It's pretty easy when you don't get pressed at the line, you get an easy release, but now they're pressing him at the line, they've got the safety over the top, they're aware of him, and that's where receivers need to then develop into the next step. I can remember Julio Jones going through a similar phase. It wasn't this dramatic because he was such a good athlete, but I can remember him going through a similar stage as well. I think he'll come out of it, but it's going to take some time. The other thing that could help him is if the other receivers stepped up a little bit. I just, Crabtree's been really bad. I know he's been a bit injured, but they don't have any running game. Like This is supposed to be one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. They have no running game. They don't really protect the quarterback that well at the moment. That needs to fix because if all of a sudden you can run the ball and then Crabtree can get going in a bit of one-on-one coverage, then you can't leave a guy over the top of Cooper and you can't make it hard for him. So that that's what needs to happen. It's a whole offense thing. Cooper will work through it because he's a very talented player, but the rest of the offense need to get it going, and they really need to get it going this week with Manuel as the quarterback. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It is all about um, sort of finally realizing who the head honcho is at wide receiver and going, yeah, we're, we're just going to sort of blanket you. But my, my rebuttal to that is, Players, he's a very, very talented wide receiver. I'd have him up there with with the Odell Beckhams and and the Mike Evanses and Julio Jones. So why isn't he producing as much? I get what you're saying about the role in coverage, but a lot of teams do that to Julio Jones. A lot of teams do that to Mike Evans. A lot of teams do that to AJ Green and Antonio Brown. Why are they so productive and Amari Cooper isn't? And he's noted as well that he's got a very good quarterback in Derek Carr throwing him the ball. Yeah, look, I think some of it can be system. I think a lot of actually a lot of it's probably system related as well. You know, you look at, at at Mike Evans, his production's right down this season because their system's struggling. Teams defenses may be working out what they're trying to do. Whereas, you know, Odell Beckham, he just they just volume target him. You know, he gets somewhere between eight and twelve targets a game. Uh, with a receiver that's that talented, it's it's hard to stop that guy. And then you know, you talk about Julio Jones. He's been a little bit down this year because of injury, but Julio Jones got through it because that offense is incredibly smart and they put him in positions, move him to the slot, move him to the outside in a trips and get him undercutting receivers to create separation. 
you can't just in the in the NFL you can't just rely on being a better athlete than a guy. Defenses are really smart and they'll stop ways. They'll find ways to stop you getting separation. That's where offensive coordinators need to come in and create ways to get separation. I rarely see Amari Cooper line up anywhere but on the outside of an offense in a in a two with only one wide receiver on his side. Maybe occasionally he'll line up with a with a um, a trips receiver there, but he's always on the outside. Move him around. It's a it's the exact same issue that I've had with Des Bryant in the offense with the Cowboys. You need to be more creative with guys like that and get the ball in their hand. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think coaches are a little too lazy sometimes, and they just go, "Look, we know he's going to find a way." You just got to be a bit more. What's the word? You you got to be on your toes more. You got to improvise a lot. In, in, in games, especially to beat the bigger teams. So, yeah, I, I agree, but Amari is a bit of a cause for concern. Um, that being said, who's your tip, James, for this game? I'm actually I'm going to go with Baltimore. I, I just don't... I cannot tip a team with EJ Manuel as their starting quarterback. Um, the only way I can see the Raiders winning this is if they dominate running the ball. But you look at Baltimore, they're a pretty strong defense. So, you know, other than that one game in London, which is, you know, which is... It happened... But other than that one game, their defense has been really, really good. So I don't know whether that offensive line, if this is a great team to get going when you can't pass the ball. So yeah, I'm I'm going to take the the Raiders. Sorry, not the Raiders. The Ravens the Ra- by, by three the points. Okay, beautiful. Um, why don't we go to um, our Monday Night Football contest, which um, could be an absolute beauty. It doesn't look like it on paper, but it could be a pretty fun game to watch. Minnesota at Chicago. Yeah, look, it, this is an interesting game due to the fact that like, we're really going to need to see what Minnesota are like without Delvin Cook, which was, was gut-wrenching. It was really, really hard to see him get injured. Um, they've got Latavius Murray, who was a starter in Oakland. He's not really a flashy guy, so... We're going to be interested to see how that develops. Is Sam Bradford playing, or have they ruled him out again? Um, at the moment, um, it, he's still questionable. Yeah. Um, I haven't gotten an official word yet. I think it will be released tomorrow on, on social media and all other applications. Um, but at the moment, Sam Bradford is still out. Um, but looking at the numbers, do is there a pass efficiency? Like I, I know it hurt them week two, but I think Case Keenum's found his rhythm. Yeah, he's been okay. He's been okay. At the end of the day, if Case Keenum was a really good quarterback, he wouldn't be the backup in Minnesota. That that's my my genuine opinion. I just yes, he's been okay. He's made some good throws. He gets the system, but he's not a starting quarterback. And you know, Chicago aren't a great defense, but I just I just find it so hard to back a team that are now down to their backup running back. And Delvin Cook was not only just a good starting running back, he looked like he was one of the best early in his career. And then, you know, without Sam Bradford, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know. Look, I think the saving grace there could be that Chicago aren't a very good pass defense and um, whoever starts a quarterback could get some stuff going. I, I think on the flip side, the exciting part, and I think we've, we've kind of missed the biggest story of this game to start with. Is, we have. Is Mitch Trubisky's going to start for the quarterback uh, for the Bears, sorry, at quarterback for the Bears. And uh, he was really, really good in the preseason. He's a very effective passer under pressure for North Carolina. He had 70, 76.9% completion versus the Blitz. In saying that, you have, this is not 
college football. This is the NFL. <laughs> but in saying that, I, I think this is the right decision and uh, they have to go with him and see what they've got. It's time to see whether they made the right decision drafting him. Um, I know they got swindled on a trade by the 49ers, but if, if this guy ends up being the franchise quarterback, who gives a crap what they gave up for him? It does not matter. No, I agree. Um, we're we're going to... We, we can't really judge now. We can judge in five, maybe four to five years' time who won that trade. But... Um, because I think with their pick, I think the 49ers got uh, Ruben Foster. They ended up getting Ruben Foster in that trade, and they, they went down and got Solomon Thomas as well. Um, but that being said, I really liked Mitch Trubisky at college, even though he did play for North Carolina in a very weak um, conference. Um, he reminds me a lot of Chad Pennington. I don't know if anyone um, remembers Chad Pennington. I remember Chad Pennington, the the, yeah. worst, the worst shoulders in NFL history. Yes, very injury prone, but my God, he was very accurate. I think he ended his career with like a 68% completion percentage, which was unbelievable. And very he loved underrated. The slants, he loved the short passes. And I think that's what Trubisky can do. He's very he's very effective under the blitz. So what he so if he actually reads the defense well and figures out that if there is someone pushing up to the line, he can just call the audible and just go, all right, you slant, you quick out, and go bang. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see against a Minnesota defense who's been okay, um, but they're up against a strong defensive line, um, and any defensive line is strong when you have Everson Griffin in there. He's got an 88.9 PFF grade, fourth of all edge rushes. 16 tackles and five sacks already this year. Um, he's just unstoppable. And so is Stefan Diggs, who's the top-ranked wide receiver at PFF at 87.9 and 13 wide receiver DVOA. Um, it's, it, it could be a shootout, James. It could be. Because um, Case Keenum, I think he's, he's averaging 263.3 passing yards per game so far this season. And he had 300-plus yards last week. Uh, it's going to be a real toss of the coin. Maybe because it's at the Bears, it'll be closer than we all think. I personally got the Vikings by 10. What about you? Uh, yeah, I tend to agree. I just don't think the Bears are that good. So, yeah. Uh, look, I'm interested to see how Trubisky goes, and that's going to be the, the story of the game. But I've got, yeah, the, the Vikings by 10. I think that's going to be a pretty comfortable win. Um, we'll, we'll head into our fantasy team of the week. Uh, who have you got for the fantasy team at quarterback? Quarterback, I'll go through it quickly, mate. Uh, quarterback, I've got Deshaun Watson against Tennessee. Yeah, l- love that. I think oh, sorry, not Tennessee. They're up against Kansas City this week, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I-, I thought he was outstanding last week, though, which will be great. And what about your running backs? Running backs, um, I said at Le'Veon Bell, Pittsburgh against Jacksonville, and Bilal Powell, New York Jets against Cleveland. Matt Forte has been ruled out this week, so Bilal Powell will be a starter again. Yep, love them. And your wide receivers? Wide receivers, I've got Tariq Hill for Kansas City up against Houston. Houston's past defense doesn't look good uh, this season. And Jermaine Curse, another Jet um, playing Cleveland. Yeah, and what about your tight end? My tight end's another sneaky one. Even though New York Giants have a very good pass defense, they're not very good against the tight end. So I've gone with Hunter Henry this week for the Chargers. Yeah, I like that one. And and you've got Jordy Nelson in your flex from Green Bay. Uh, what What's your thoughts there? I just think Dallas's past defense just hasn't been up to it this year so far. Uh, it could change. Um, also, uh, Aaron Rodgers just loves him. And you saw that last week. 
he just dominates. And um, Jordy uh, against a questionable pass defense. And I think Jordy Nelson loves playing against the Cowboys as well. I've got him. Yep, and your kicker and your defense? Uh, kicker, Mason Crosby, Mr. Reliable against Dallas. And my defense is the Bills against Cincinnati. They could have a couple of picks. They could have a defensive touchdown. Uh, they just look in a real prime position to um, have a big, big day. Yeah, awesome stuff. Well, and everyone, if anyone wants to play those guys, you feel free to play them and use our advice. And then if we're wrong, you can come back at us and, <laughs> and tell us what you think. Um, we'll shoot into our, our don't miss games, which are these are the big games of the week. We'll start with Carolina at Detroit. I think the win Carolina had over the Patriots last week is massive. Um, and realistically, Detroit should be 4-0 if that Atlanta call isn't overturned, which I still can't get over. But um, they're playing really effectively due to their defense. They're the fifth overall defense in DVOA, fifth first pass, 14th first run. They're allowed only 86.3 rush yards per game, which is seventh in the league. And, you know, according to PFF, they're an elite secondary. I think that's going to make, you know, that's going to help them out a lot with, you know, inconsistent at time offense. That's that's really good to have a strong defense. Um, Then you've got Calvin Benjamin, who's, you know, been a really good wide receiver in, in key moments. Uh, he's had the 19 receptions for 214 yards, but, but zero touchdowns so far. In saying that, though, he's the eighth wide receiver in DVOA, and he's got an 80.6 PFF grade, which is is really good for a receiver. Uh, and then Carolina's new offensive line has been okay in the running game, but Chipper, they're struggling to protect Cam Newton at the moment. They are, and um, it all comes down to one player as well, Matt Khalil. They've allowed 12 sacks this season. Five have been conceded by Matt Khalil, and he's up against Ziggy Unza Who's this back. week. He's back, Ziggy. Cool. He's back. He's one of the most underrated defensive players in the league, I think. Yep, couldn't, I couldn't agree with him more. I think he is just such an, an outstanding DN, and I think the reason he is so underrated is because last year he was injured and had a, a pretty down year, whereas the year before that was kind of his breakout year. And mm-hmm. then if, if you have a breakout year and then follow it with a down year, which was only due to injuries, not due to him not being good people kind of forget about you. You know, it's that old rule, out of sight, out of mind. But he is back in sight and he's back in my mind 100%. He he is just such an elite pass rusher and it's great to see him back. Agreed. Definitely agree. Um, and uh, Carolina have been um, a team that we all thought they could um, fall off a cliff, but they've actually been pretty consistent. Um, defensively, last year we remember they were very poor against pass defense with the loss of Josh Norman and that. I uh, sorry, um, yeah, Josh Norman. No, he's he's at Carolina now. He is that right? No, no, no. He no, he, he left Carolina. He's that's he's right. The always getting mixed up. Yeah, confused. he's at Washington now. That's yeah. right. And yeah, they have been. They they didn't know how to um, how to cope without him, but this year I think they got it right again. Twelfth against the pass and thirteenth against the run in DVOA. And they've allowed the seventh least pass yards and the eighth least rush yards and this a, season. So a, they've been pretty consistent. A healthy Luke Kukley helps with all that. I think that's oh. he is the parameter of that defense. As as Dave Damashek would say, he's the Jenga piece of that defense. Without him, they all crumble down. So it's it's great to see him back. And there was real concerns about his concussion issues. And I'm just glad that we haven't seen any pop up at this stage because I don't like when good players don't play football. I want to see him on the field, and he makes them very interesting. Uh, in saying that, I, I, I'm, I t- I'm, t- I'm taking the Lions. I think the Lions are just – they're a good football team. They're at home, stronger defense, and then, you know, a guy like – I think Ziggy Anzar versus Matt Khalil could absolutely change this game. 
I agree. I've got lines by three as well, and Ziggy Yanzi is my fantasy tip. If you've got an IDP league, he's facing Matt Khalil. Um, we'll go from that game. We'll go straight into an NFC West battle um, that many thought would be a walkover if you asked them at the start of the year, but this could be one of the games of the week. Seattle at the Rams. Yeah, love this game. I'm so glad this game's in the afternoon, in the afternoon slot, so it's a bit easier to watch. Um, I just think this game's outstanding. And you're right, like the Rams have gone from first to from worst to first in the air. They were ranked last in DVOA. They were ranked first this year, 270.3 pass yards per game, which is fifth. And Jared Goff is the number one ranked quarterback in, in DVOA and 60.4 quarterback rating, which is 10th in the league. And what I said before about Trubisky and the Bears, everyone last season was saying, oh, what have the Rams done giving up all this stuff to go and get... You know, a quarterback who's not going to be that good. Now that he looks good, honestly, who gives a shit? He, if he looks, if he's good, you could have given up everything. If you get that quarterback, you are set. And now you bring in Sammy Watkins and you know Woods, and all of a sudden this defense is completely different. And all of a sudden, Gurley looks good because, oh my God, they can pass the ball, so they're not just stacking the box to stop him. I just think it's so exciting. Um, in saying that, though, they are facing a pass defense that's pretty good, 184.8 yards per game uh, in 2017. That's the fourth least in the NFL. Earl Thomas and, and Cam Chancellor are, in my opinion, the best safety tandems in the NFL. And that will be... This is a massive test for the LA Rams. Um, then you've got Chris Carson now on IR, which is really disappointing. But the question is... Where does Eddie Lacy come into this team? Look, Eddie Lacy might be the start of this this year. Oh, sorry, this week. He had 11 carries for 52 yards last week, which was not bad. That's five yards, about almost five yards a carry. Um, but any running back against uh, behind this offensive line will struggle. That being said, JD McKissick, who was a former college wide receiver, um, surprised everyone and combined for 65 all-purpose yards and two touchdowns last week. He's a good pass catcher in the backfield due to the fact that he has that wide receiver pedigree. And um, he he just looked like that player, that, that get-out-of-jail-free card for Russell Wilson. Um, so, I don't know. I think Lacey will start, but McKissick might have a, a huge um, third-down complementary role and could be big time. Um, that being said, look, I, I'll just quickly ask you the question. Sean McVay. Is he an early contender for Coach of the Year? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think, and we, we we discussed this briefly on our on our um, review show. What he's done for that team, and I think there's something that can be said for a, you know a young guy coming in and changing the attitude of players. Because at the end of the day, if you have talent but the players don't want to play for someone, it doesn't matter. It, it's not going to work. And I think he really is on the players' level. He's very young, obviously. And that can go one way or the other. But I think as a young coach, we saw it when, when Tomlin took over in Pittsburgh. It's the same thing. I think he's just a, a good coach uh, that's, that's doing a good job and getting his players to play hard for him. Yeah, agreed. Um, I think it might be the turn of, uh, maybe a tired turner in, in any sport that the younger um, coaches and the younger general managers are, are now reigning supreme and now they're the, they're the head guys. Youth um, is the new policy. Um, I'll just quickly go to Aaron Donald. He's up against a poor offensive line. This could be a big matchup for him. Seven tackles, one assist at a 91.5 pass rush grade, which just shows that his QB hits and pressures on the QB are outstanding. Um, and that could be a determining factor in resolving this game. Um, but you've got 
Seattle is a poor offensive line. Against the LA Rams, questionable defense. Um, I don't know. My tip um, is the Seahawks by a touchdown um, in an upset. Um, what do you think, James? Yeah, I, I'm thinking the same. It might, it might be three points or, you know, somewhere between three to seven points. I'm just not ready to hand over the baton of the NFC West to the Rams yet. I think Seattle getting going last week against the Colts. I think they're going to continue that and they're going to come in and play really well in this game. And that's not saying the Rams aren't a good team. I just think Seattle are going to, they're going to have the wood over them. Yeah, agreed, agreed. All right, we'll quickly jump to um, the Green Bay-Dallas matchup, which is um, which is a game that you always love to, to look. So I'll just, um, I'll just hand the baton over to you. It's my <laughs> game of the week. It's America's game of the week. Go ahead, James. How uh, will the Cowboys go? Oh, I'm so up in the air about the Cowboys this year, mate. I just, I don't know what to think. Um, the big, the big report is if Ty Montgomery is going to play. Reported with broken ribs, um, with Jamal Williams, who's their backup, also injured. I don't think you're going to play if you have broken ribs. I just can't see that happening. Uh, Dallas's defense has struggled. They're not very good this year. 231 pass yards per game, which is the 12th most. 21st in DVOA, 114 rush yards per game, which is the 14th most, which has come down from being the best run defense in the NFL last year, which is you know, which is a real shame. And defensive line is 21st for adjusted line yards conceded. So they're not doing a good job there. And then on the flip side, the Cowboys O-line is no longer in the top three. They are just... I didn't think losing Leary would be that be such a big deal, but they are really, really struggling. Um, they're 18th for adjusted line yards. Only two of their linemen are over 80 in PFF, which is Martin and Frederick. Tyron Smith has got some injury worries, so it's going to be interesting to see how they manage that. But all of them are playing down from where they have been in the past. So something has to give there. They've got to adjust. On the other side, Green Bay's line still very banged up. They've allowed 15 sacks. I don't think Beluga or Baharaki are going to play this week, which would leave... Kyle Murphy out there again, who's allowed five sacks. Um, and they're facing some pretty good edge rushes in Tyrone Crawford and Demarcus Demarcus Lawrence. And I know you love Demarcus Lawrence, Chipper. Oh. We're, we're both all over him. Oh, Demarcus Lawrence, he's an absolute star. When you said pretty good, I think that's an understatement. <laughs> they're elite. Um, and they're, yeah, they're facing a Green Bay offensive line that's allowed 15 sacks already this year. And Kyle Murphy, the, the tackle, has allowed five of them. So... This is a big area for Green uh, for Dallas to exploit. It just could go either way, but I, I, I really do love this Dallas defensive line because they're like I mentioned earlier when we did our fantasy preview that their secondary has been exploited and does look like it has holes, but this defensive line keeps them in the game. They keep the pressure on the quarterback, uh, but we all know that Aaron Rodgers uh, tends to sneak away. He's athletic and scrambly without being athletic and scrambly. That's what makes him so good, I think. He's just so aware. Um, so him versus Demarcus Lawrence would be fun to watch. Um, well, what about Ezekiel Elliott? Um, what? How do you rate his year so far? And how do you think he'll go against Green Bay? I think the the offensive line is not playing as well, and that that's it's a clear stat. They're just not. And Ezekiel Elliott, who had probably the best offensive line last year in the NFL and looked great, is probably realizing that when you don't have those sorts of holes and that sort of blocking, it's a lot harder to get yards. Now, in saying that, they need to be smarter on offense. Coming out of college, Ezekiel Elliott was touted 
as the best player without a ball in his hands that guys had ever seen. I don't see any of that. I know he's a great pass protector. I'm not calling that out. Why can you not get the ball in his hands in the passing game? Everything they do is a swing route when they've when no one else is covered and he gets two or three yards and then gets swarmed and tackled. There has to be a way to isolate him on linebackers and get the ball in his hands. A good offensive coordinator needs to create that. Some questions are being asked about Jason Garrett, in my opinion. When you have a player that's this good, feed him the ball. Look what the Steelers do with Levy and Bell. Get the ball in his hands. I think they need to do that. If he is as good a player as they think he is, or they say he is, they need to get the ball in his hands. Um, in saying that, though, due to it being at home and the fact that the Cowboys really, really need this game, I'm going to have the Cowboys to win by 10. Yeah, I've got the Cowboys by eight, and it is at Jury World. It's always a fun game between these two teams. Um, my fantasy tip as well is uh, DeMarcus Lawrence in an IDP league. He's going to face that shaky offensive line by Packers, and I think that might be the factor in a Cowboys win. I think they could push them to a cup to a few three and outs, but like I said, Aaron Rodgers always finds a way. He loves Jordy Nelson. Randall Cobb has been this reliable as well. They've just got that intangible, that just that chemistry. And Martellus Bennett doesn't do it either. Uh, so, yeah, but that being said, I've still got Dallas. And we'll move to our last game, uh, James, Sunday night football, Kansas City-Houston. Could Kansas City stay by the nose? Uh, I don't think it's going to happen this week. I think Houston, they surprised me last week in Tennessee. It looks like Deshaun Watson's the real deal. He's very confident. Um, he has a 79.1 QBR rating, which is the best in the NFL, 13th in QBR, QB DVOA. Um, both pass defenses are pretty good. Houston a 6th with 196 yards per game. Um, Kansas City a 7th with 248 yards per game. Um, uh, 10 sacks from the D-line. It's great to see Justin Houston back playing so well. Houston's offensive line, their pass blocking is not very good, but I'm hoping that, you know, having Deshaun can fix that in a way, if that makes sense, him being able to move a bit more. They've allowed 17 sacks with the guards, Suofilo and Lamb, sorry, and the tackle Lamb allowing three each. Um, no tackle or guard has a PFF grade over 42. And the shining light on that def- on that offensive line is Nick Martin at centre, who I think is really good. Um, you got Lamar Miller versus Chiefs run defense. They're 25th in run defense DVOA. They've allowed 100 111 yards per game, which is the 12th most. You know, Miller has an 82.2 PFF grade, which is really good. I would say a lot of that comes off last week because he was outstanding in that game. Um, Unbelievable. Yeah, and Alex Smith yet to record an interception and a 76.7% completion. I asked the guys Monday night, that at this point of the season, four games in, a quarter of the way through, Alex Smith is by far my MVP. Who do, do, do you agree, agree with that? I agree. It's either him or Kareem Hunt at the moment. Uh, but Alex Smith, he just um, knows how to operate a good offense. And I said right at the start of the year, drafting Patrick Mahomes probably was a good move both for a long-term and a short-term prospect for this team. Because Andy Reid loves Alex Smith. And Alex, uh, and I've heard Andy Reid also loves Mahomes, but Alex Smith is operating this this team at a, at a very good pace, and he loves Travis Kelsey. He's by far the most consistent tight end in the NFL. 
He's had 26 receptions for 255 yards and three touchdowns. He also loves um, to block. The, uh, he's a good run blocker, and he's got a PFF grade of um, 82.4, which is ranked fourth. Um, but on the flip side, I think Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins have built a bit of chemistry. Yeah, I think Hopkins was really good last week, and I think he looked excited with the chance of having you know a good quarterback. All of a sudden, you know, he's had some pretty crappy quarterbacks in his time there. Um, you know, I think Fitzpatrick was probably the best quarterback he's had. So that's um that's not a good sign. Um, he's got a seventy nine point nine PFF grade, but look for that to start creeping up because he's going to start playing better. Kansas City ranked twenty fourth in pass defense VOA against wide receiver one. So um, that's not a great sign. You'll see them isolate him against Terrence Mitchell a lot, and they'll go after him. Now, Terrence, Terrence Mitchell has had his moments. He's been a bit shaky. He's had some good interceptions, uh, but they don't want to go after Peters, so they will definitely move him over there and go after him. Um, all that being said, I just think I think Kansas City are due for a loss. They're 4-0. I think the Texans want this game. They really need this game. I think they're going to go in and they're going to win it by three. It is at home, which always helps. Uh, Monday night football, but this game is going to be outstanding. And who's your fantasy tip? My fantasy tip, quickly, um, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I know they're going to probably push the coverage to him, but he's a very, very good wide receiver. Yeah, I, I, and I think with Will Fuller being back, he makes such a big difference, that offense, which is something we, we kind of missed there. He played last week. I think, yeah, when he plays, you can't just double cover um, Hopkins all the time because he's a burner. If you don't have someone over the top, he'll most likely beat that guy. Elite deep threat. Yeah, beautiful. Well, that that's all our games for the week, Chipper. As always, mate, thank you very much for, for coming on with me. Um, exciting news. Next week, we're going to have our, uh, our own intro. So yours truly will be mentioned in our NFL intro and outro. So we'll uh, have to get some details from you so we can get that sorted out. Um, but... As always, mate, thanks for, thanks for being on and enjoy all the games. My pleasure, everyone. Enjoy, um, enjoy another week of NFL. Thanks for listening to the NFL Podcast, brought to you by The Vault Studio. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more, head to www.thevaultstudio.com.au. And for the latest news, search for The Vault Studio on Facebook and Twitter. Love you, Jerry.